Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this month's series in Cyber Church. We're going to be talking about the justice of God. Now, if you have any negative responses, I mean, when you hear the concept of the justice of God, you, you could really uh, feel kind of fearful. You could, you could fear, you could feel like uh, you're getting ready to hear something really, really, really bad. And the only reason that would be is because you have been fed a lie about God's justice. You have been, you have had legalism. You've had, you know, you've had wrath. You had all of these things that turn people against God preach to you your whole life. And so when you hear about the justices of God, you know, suddenly they're like, oh man, I am in trouble. Well, no, that's, we're not, we're not going to that concept of the justice of God. You know, right now in the world around you, there is a war raging. Anybody who doesn't admit that there is a war raging either doesn't have any of the facts, they've got their head buried in the sand, or they're getting their information from, from all of the wrong sources. But you know, when you look out at cities all across America where people are rioting, murdering, burning houses down, where people are, are hurting and injuring other people, destroying business, disrupting the economy, all of these kinds of things, I got news for you. That, uh, that's a problem. And the greater problem with that is not just that it's happening because these things are going to happen from time to time. But the great problem is the church, because of apathy, is somewhat complicit in these things that are happening all over the world. Number one, we didn't, we didn't stop the world from getting to this place. But secondly, uh, many times when I'm looking on television, I'm seeing Christians take the wrong side. They are siding against godliness. They're, just, they're siding against God's wisdom. They're siding against God's justice. Now, something you need to understand, and this is, could be taken so negatively. I don't, I don't mean for it to be taken negatively. I just mean <clears throat> to, to challenge every believer to really stand up and be who we're supposed to be in planet Earth. And who we're supposed to be is we are the people who are supposed to be ruling and reigning in righteousness here on planet Earth. But uh, uh, I want you to understand something. Jesus didn't give the keys of the kingdom to any group other than the church. And so the church has the capacity to establish the kingdom of God. Now, I realize we're not out here forcibly uh, establishing the kingdom of God. We're, we have the capacity to enter into the kingdom of God in our hearts. And when we enter into the kingdom of God in our heart, then what happens, several things happen, actually. You know, then we, we really then have this capability 
uh, to bring righteousness and peace and joy to the world around us. But even more than that, then we have this capacity to very intuitively recognize when what's going on is out of sync with righteousness, peace, and joy. All human beings have authority in planet Earth simply because all human beings are created in the likeness and the image of God. You know, uh, I, I hear, I've always heard people talk about the authority of the believer. I sort of know what people are talking about, but but what I've realized over the decades is that many times when people talk about the authority of the believer, they, they use that terminology because they fail to understand uh, that man has always had authority on planet Earth. Man has always been ruling and reigning in planet Earth, but the problem is man has not always ruled and reigned based on God's righteousness, based on God's love, based on God's goodness, but very specifically based on God's justice. You know, the, the, the big cry of the world out there today is, is that it is a cry for justice. Now, the amazing thing, as you know, if you're watching as these things unfold, this cry for justice uh, is, is, is not bringing justice. It's not based on justice. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, back a few months ago, I, I sent a letter out to our world changers. And, and, I, and I started talking in this letter about the fact that, that my heart was broken when I looked at people's lives that were being destroyed and, and people uh, uh, being hurt and being injured through all of the rioting that was taking place. And this was right after the George Floyd incident. And, um, and I, you know, and I got a letter from a black lady and, and I'm not yeah, I'm not trying to uh, be critical of her because because she's black, but I'm, but you know she's somebody who 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 would have a vested interest in what is happening in this cry for justice because one of the things that uh, the minority communities in America are deeply convinced of is that they are not experiencing justice, and so. And so this woman was deeply offended and deeply concerned. And she said, you know what, you've really helped me and you've been a part of my life. And she, but, but she said, but, but uh, you know, I was, I was deeply disturbed that you didn't have upset until the riots. Why didn't you have upset for the injustice? I can't remember how she said it, but I've had other people say it. Uh, why didn't you have injustice for, you know, what happened to, to George Floyd? You know, um, uh, I am not in favor of, of unnecessarily unnecessary violence in any situation. And, I, and I'm telling you what, I am never in favor of someone uh, losing their life for no reason. But let me say this. Uh, I am struggling with, in, in this pursuit of justice, or so-called justice that's being sought in America and in the world, I am deeply troubled that there is more concern uh, in, in justice for criminals than there is justice for innocent people. You know, uh, uh, number one, George Floyd was an adult. Number two, George Floyd was a criminal with a long record. Number three, you know, the recently released uh, medical report um, 
about George Floyd, which was kept under wraps until just not long ago, was that he had so much fentanyl in his system. I think he had four times the amount of fentanyl that you can have and live and, and such a, a, an amount of another uh, uh, drug that according to the autopsy report, he would have died. That if he hadn't gotten out and gotten arrested, he would have sat home in his house and died because he could not have survived the amount of drugs that was in his system. And, and George Floyd was already saying, sitting in the car, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Now, I am not justifying anything that happened from that point you know, on with the police, but I am struggling with the fact that in America, uh, when criminals are... I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a perfect world. I'm not saying it, it should happen this way. But when criminals face incredible consequences for their criminality, I do not understand why there is an outrage for those criminals, uh, but there is not an outrage for the four-year-olds, the 18-month old, the eight-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, the 12-year-olds, the 16, the 17-year-olds that are dying in massive numbers on the streets of our cities in America. Where is the outrage for that? So, so I just have to say something. You know, I believe I believe the Bible is the basis for finding truth. The Bible is the basis for understanding, interpreting everything that's going on in uh, in our lives and the world around us, the Bible pro provides us the one and only basis for how to have a, a fair and just uh, a civil society. And so I, I always look to, you know, to the Bible for answers. I always look to the Bible for understanding. Now, one of the universal laws of the Bible is the law of the seed. Now, the law of the seed is a, is a spiritual, physical, emotional. In other words, it is a law that, uh, uh, undergirds uh, or, is, or is fundamental to everything that happens in life. And the law of the seed tells us whatever we sow, we reap. Now that has been religiously translated into, if I do this, God's going to get even with me. Well, that's not at all what it's talking about. You know, when you go out and plant a seed out in your garden, if you've ever planted a garden or maybe a flower bed or something like that, uh, the truth is you, you don't, have to pray and use faith in order to get God to make that seed grow. It grows because of the law of the seed. And the law of the seed says that you put the seed in the soil, you water it, you nurture it, it grows, and then it will always produce fruit after its own kind. That's what it's talking about when it says, whatsoever you, you shall sow, you shall also reap. And you've heard me say this, hundreds of times, you, you know, uh, it, it's a fool that plants apple seeds and expects watermelons to grow. It's a fool that plants uh, okra and expects turnip greens to grow. It, you know, uh, uh, who is foolish enough to think you can plant one kind of seed and it will grow a different kind of fruit? So we understand that in gardening. We understand that in planting our flower beds and, and uh, you know, our, our fruit trees and all that kind of stuff. But we don't understand that Jesus taught the law of the seed as the fundamental place where we can understand the principles of the kingdom of God. In fact, he said, 
if you do not understand this law of the sea, how will you understand any of the any of the parables of the kingdom? Well, that's the problem. So many people do not understand the parables of the kingdom. Therefore, therefore they seek and beg and pray and 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 ask God to miraculously bring them this quality of life. But day after day after day, they plant seeds that grow something totally different in in the garden of their life. For example, you know, if you if you plant the seed of rejection, if you plant the seed of, of violence, if you plant whatever seed you are planting in your relationships, you know, with your spouse, with your children, or with your neighbors, um, you have to realize that that's what's going to grow in the garden of your life. That's what's, that's the way your relationships are going to go. That's the way your marriage is going to go. If you are irresponsible in the way you handle money and you spend money frivolously, then, then it's, it's bizarre to believe that you're ever going to be financially stable because you are planting seeds of financial destruction. Now, when you plant seeds, remember this, the outcome, the consequences of these seeds that grow has nothing to do with God making a choice or with God making that, that outcome come to you. It's really interesting that, you know, throughout the scripture, God warns, if you do this, this and this and this will happen. Well, religionists, they look at that and say, see, God is saying, if you don't do what he wants, he's going to punish you and make a certain bad outcome happen. And so everybody blames God then for everything bad that happens in their life. Well, interestingly, in the Hebrew language, um, it is very, very rare that that is what the scripture says. Usually, and in the Hebrew language, it just says, if you do this, this will happen. And in the original language, it is nearly never saying God will cause something to happen. And so, why? Because everything that happens in planet Earth happens because, first and foremost, of the law of the sea. So, so you know, you, you look out here in, in these cities where there's rioting and, and where there's conflict and where there's violence and where there's all those kind of things. And, and so these people are doing this under the guise of seeking to establish uh, social justice. Well, the problem, there's several problems with that. Number one, based on the law of the seed, you know, they are planting the seeds of violence. They are planting the seeds of rebellion. They are planting the seeds of chaos. Uh, uh, and actually, they are denying justice to their own communities. You know, I, I just got to, I've got to tell you this. I, you know, I hope my minority friends don't get upset with me about this because I, I uh, I would say this to any group of people, and I'm also saying that by and large, uh, what's happening is not happening as the result of most of the black people in the black community or the minority people in any minority com community. What's happening is these communities uh, who have some real issues that, that need to be solved are being used. They're being exploited by professional agitators. They're being exploited by people who really want to uh, bring about a, a, a complete anarchy 
in our country and they want to overthrow our country. And basically they, the leaders want to rule our country. And we'll, we'll talk some more uh, about that later this week, but, but here, here is what I cannot understand. Now, I, I realize this because I've got so many friends in the black community that talk to me about this stuff. You know, the average person living in these communities that are being burned down, that are being destroyed, where, where innocent people are being shot down, injured, and all this kind of stuff, uh, th- these people are not the ones that are out here protesting and, and violently destroying their own communities. These are people that come in from outside of their communities and look at a problem that that community is upset about and, and exploit that problem. And, uh, and, and, the, and in the name of we're going to make a better world for minorities, they burn the minority world down. They burn the houses down, the businesses down where they work. And, and, and it's like uh, the voices that are being heard about all of this stuff that's going on in America are not the actual voices of the people who have legitimate concerns. It's the voices of the mob who is here for an evil intention to destroy our world and usher us into another world. Now, uh, by the way, I, I want to mention this to you. I have just completed a brand new book called God's Wisdom for a Fair and Just World. And um, you can either go to my website or uh, if you're if you're watching this where you can actually uh, uh, click and, and activate it, but you can go to my website and you can download the, the digital version of God's wisdom for fair and just world. You can, you can download that for free. Uh, I have written this book and I'm giving it away for free. The only thing I ask of you is if you read this book and this makes sense and you think this will help people is that you share it with as many people as you possibly can. Because uh, I, I'm telling you what, it is time for, for the, the church to wake up. It, because the church is the one who has the keys. The church is the one who should know the truth. The church is the one who should be bringing justice to our country and to the world. And, and I'm going to talk to you this, this month about how we can do that, how we can make sure that this happens. But you, so, so you've got people out here rioting, burning cities down, killing the innocent, uh, vandalizing, you know, robbing, uh, theft, and all this kind of stuff. And they say that they are doing it to bring justice. But remember, if the, if the seeds that you're planning to bring justice are violence, rioting, theft, murder, all of these kinds of things, then something you better realize is this. If you're getting sucked into believing this will bring you to a, a, a world of, of, of fair and just, uh, just equitable treatment, I got news for you. You're in for a surprise because every seed bears after its own kind. A movement that is born out of this kind of radical violence will only produce radical violence. It will not produce a fair and just society. And you know, another important thing about the law of the sea that we, that we better, uh, that we better consider is this, you know, when you, when you plant one seed, 
for uh, a, a, a kernel of corn, for example, uh, and a stalk begins to grow. Number one, that stalk is going to have several ears of corn, and every one of those ears is going to have multiple seeds on it. And this is why Jesus said, when you start planting seeds, one of the things you better be aware of, you know, whether you like what you've got or not, whether it's working for you, whether it's working against you, when you plant these seeds, then what happens is you get more of what you've had. So if you plant the seeds of, of violence, of outrage, of, of lawlessness, of, of pain, suffering, murder, all this kind of stuff, if you plant these kinds of seeds, I got news for you. Uh, not only are you going to grow rioting, lawlessness, violence, but you're, it's going to multiply more than you could ever imagine. It is going to be, uh, 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 it's going to consume uh, your world. Now, <clears throat> So understand this, there are always going to be real social problems. You need to understand that always, 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 always. The question is, um, what are we doing to prevent social problems? And secondly, what are we doing to correct social problems? And maybe the third and most important things, where are we getting our definition, our concepts of justice? Now, I'm going to talk to you today, or actually all this month, about some things that Jesus said very specifically about what uh, uh, many people call the end, and I'm going to clarify some things about that, but I, I want you to understand something. Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew 24, 7, and they asked him two questions. They asked him, number one, uh, how will they know when the temple is going to be destroyed? But they also ask him a second question. In that second question, they said, how will we know the signs of your, of your coming, of, you know, of, of when you're going to return and establish your kingdom here on earth? So it was two separate questions. Jesus answered about what was going to happen when the temple was going to be destroyed, and that happened in 70 A.D., but the second question that he answered, he provides some very clear warnings about what would happen. And, uh, and, and those things have not happened yet. But those things are unfolding before us right now. So I want to talk about two very specific things. And number one, I want to talk about the word end. And I'm going to talk about the time that Jesus calls the beginning of sorrows. Now, um, Jesus starts describing uh, some of these things that are going to happen. And, and he, and he, but, but right in the middle of it, he says, but the end is not yet. Now, when we see the word end in Scripture, we've been kind of trained to think that that word end always means end of time, end of the world. Well, let me remind you, and I've shared this with you many times, nearly nothing we've been taught about the second coming of Jesus is actually biblically accurate. You know, my whole life, 
I was taught that Jesus would come back, and when he would come back, that would be the end of the world, and every, you would either go to heaven or you would go to hell, and that was it. Well, you know, I can remember as a child thinking, you know, I've got some, I've got some dreams. I've got some things I want to do, so I don't want Jesus to come back right now. Well, you know, what I grew up to find out, particularly after I got born again, and started having conversations with other believers, I started finding out that most believers do not want Jesus to come the second time. Why? Because I've got kids and grandkids and loved ones that don't know the Lord, and they, but they have bought into this concept that when Jesus comes back, that, um, uh, that that's the end. Everybody's going to heaven or going to go to hell right then. That is absolutely not what the Bible teaches. And we will get into what the Bible teaches, but we won't have time this broadcast. You know, the word end is one of those words that um, in the Greek that, that, that is nearly always improperly or unclearly translated into the English language. Because the end um or the word that's translated in doesn't mean the end of time. It talks about an accomplishment or a fulfillment or the reaching of a goal. So it's something that is deliberate. And by the reaching of that goal, then something else begins. Now, when Jesus is talking about all of these, th all of these signs uh, that, are, that are being fulfilled right now, and, and man, he goes through some of these things that are happening and the chaos in the world. And we're going to explain what Jesus talked about. We're, all of this stuff is really, really, really easy to understand. But, but in the middle of this, Jesus said, but the end is not yet. Now, what he's saying is, is even, even all of these bad things that I'm telling you are going to happen, that whoever is working this agenda to accomplish this goal, that goal has not been reached yet. Well, what is that goal? That goal is to bring an end to something, and they're doing it through wars, through rumors of war, through famine, through pestilence, through earthquake quakes. And so really all of these things that we're seeing, and by the way, probably every generation has thought that the end was going to come in their lifetime. Uh, but every generation has made the common mistake of interpreting scriptures based on current events and usually based on local current events. This is the first time in the history of the world that all the global factors are happening at the same time, just as the prophets said they would. But this is also the first time that the technology has been here that, that, uh, uh, there can be total world domination, total control over what people spend, total control over where you go, who you talk to. Every aspect of your life, um, it is the goal of those who are working these agendas. It is their goal to take over your life and control every aspect of your life for their personal benefit. And so, so he says, look, they haven't yet reach their goal. And you say, well, well, what is the goal? Here's what the goal is. The goal is a godless world 
a world where where there's there's so much chaos there's so much conflict there's there's so much torment there's so much fear there's so much tribulation there's so much persecution there's so much death there's so much sorrow there's so much of that that people become completely overwhelmed they give up their hope in god they give up their trust in god and they turn to the government and say, please give us peace, please protect us. And the deal always goes that you have to give up some of your freedoms to get that protection. So the goal of all of this, you say, well, wait a minute, are you saying all of this is being coordinated? I am absolutely saying that all of this is being coordinated and is being coordinated for the one plan to bring us to a goal to where we become a totally lawless, godless society ruled by the uh, ideology of what we or what is known as elitist, of, of the elites and the world who's, who plan to take control of the world, all of its resources, destroy the, the middle class, and really have, have the poor, poor, poor just as servants. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get you out of this with hope. I'm going to get you out of this and show you there's a way to win. So be sure and be back next week, and I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.